At Farmers Insurance, we know a roof can withstand a lot. One exception being an airborne car. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen, and you're listening to The Makers of Minnesota. We are a program where we talk to people that live in the state of Minnesota doing cool things. Um, we've talked to a lot of food producers. We've talked to folks that are making apps, some technology companies. And today we are talking to a woman named Ann Hendrickson. Hello, Ann. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? I'm good. Ann is a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> I first met Ann when she had started a business called, called Downtown Dogs. And you were the first person that I ever, like, knew of in the Twin Cities that was doing doggy daycare. Yep, we were. I think it was you and there was another woman named Trish that was doing, like, urban dog or something like that. She was uh, Pet Supply. Okay. She's still my friend. Oh, good. If you're listening, Trish, I love you. Hello. (laughs) So you had this business, Downtown Dogs, that Mm -hmm. was, you were over in the industrial area, kind of over by the North Loop and... It was really, I remember the first time I met you, I was thinking, wow, this lady really has it all going on. Like, I don't know, you just seemed very organized operationally, entrepreneurially. Did you love that business? I did love it. That's so nice to say. I guess I never felt from my side. I always felt like I was just barely holding the wheels on. Yeah, which a lot of entrepreneurs do. Yes, that's very nice to say. I did love that business. I would have done it until I retired, but I got kind of a chance offer to buy me out that was too good to be true, and it just kind of fell in my lap. And kenneling is a lot of stress, and it's really intense, and it's, it's hard with family life. So there were enough reasons that... I uh, took the deal and sold, and then I kind of semi-retired. And... <laughs> Tell me about that, because that's I'm, I'm experienced with semi-retiring. Oh well, I'm back out of it now. But yeah. Um, so, did you well, think you would be retired, or what did you think would happen after you sold the business, or had you not even really thought about it? Because a lot of people don't get a chance to sell a business, so I want the entrepreneurs to hear like what that feels like. Yeah, well, and that was part of why I did it, because, yeah, you don't really know when that chance is going to come. I always knew I would do something else. I mean, I was only 39, and I had two small kids, and... Um, so I took a couple of years off just to decompress and my kids were young, so I stayed home with them. Um, so it was, it was interesting. It was not what I thought it would be. Can you tell me what you mean by that? Cause it wasn't what I thought it would be either. I was a little, I don't know if the word's disappointed, but I just, you, I'd had so much energy and passion into what I was doing and it was like a third child or a second child mm-hmm. and my case mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's gone and you're happy and everyone's like oh my god you're this you're is your dream. dream you could do yeah. whatever you want to do uh-huh i had no concept that doing whatever i wanted to do was a possibility and then if it is what is that i didn't know 
Well, that was the same boat I was in, especially because the offer kind of came out of nowhere. I hadn't been grooming myself for something else or sort of fantasizing about a next step or anything. So it did. And yeah, it's a little bit... Yeah, I was surprised. I thought it was going to be so great to let go of, which it was great. I mean, there's a lot of stress with kenneling and it felt good to be able to focus more on my personal relationships and not have that be consuming. But I guess I didn't feel like myself exactly. Like I felt, I didn't really notice it until I started working again, but I felt so invigorated once I did. And I was like, I really kind of lost myself in that semi-retirement. There just wasn't my... A friend of mine that is semi-retired and doing it so much better than I did. He's like, these are one percent problems. <laughs> I'm like, I know, but they're yeah. still. I felt like you. Like, yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't always know what I'm supposed to be doing, and mm-hmm. I don't always know. Sometimes people offer you opportunities, and you're just so grateful that they're even offering to you. Right. And then you sit down and you're like, well, I'm, not, I'm not supposed to be doing that, right? It yeah. just is a process. So you decide that you're gonna did you like I'm purposely gonna get back into the workforce what was the decision making moment for you oh that's a good question I was um I kind of always knew I would do something at some point but I was also feeling like when you've worked your whole life like all of a sudden not having money come in even though the money's in the bank it's there I was feeling anxiety not yeah having income. So I kind of knew I would do something. But because I have the two small kids, I really value the flexibility um, that you can really only get from working for yourself. Yeah. So um, I was doing some freelance consulting, um, which was okay, but I would be driving like from Matamidi to Eden Prairie and eating out of fast food windows because that was the only way I was going to get to eat. And I was I would eat three meals a day in restaurants sometimes because it was the only place to meet people. Yeah. And I was just like, this is not a sustainable way to go. I was getting out of shape and gaining weight. And I was like, I need an office where people can come to me. And I need a kitchen with an oven and I need fitness equipment and I need my treadmill desk. I need to be able to take care of myself and live a healthy life while I'm working. Cause... Which is because as a as a owning the uh, dog facility, mm-hmm. you were just running around all the time. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's hard with... labor. Yeah. yeah. And so now you're consulting. So did it did it start to crystallize at that point? It did. And I started to think and I was learning more and more about how bad sitting is for you and all of the sorry, I hope they couldn't hear that. No, adjusting in my seat. (laughs) Um, I was learning more and more about how our sedentary lifestyle is hurting us so much. And I was seeing there were a few different crystallizing moments where I saw people that were grappling with really hard physical and mental health issues that they wouldn't have had if they hadn't been sitting all their life. And I was starting to think about the collective good our society would could do if we just weren't sitting all the time. But the demands aren't going to get less and we can't stop making a living. So the only answer is to make office work more active. So my heart started to get in that, and co-working is kind of the way things are going. So that was when the idea of opening a co-working space where you could move and be active in what we traditionally thought of as sedentary work, that was where it started to gel for me. And I'm like, this is what I want to do, and this is really what I want to be my legacy, is changing the landscape of 
how we work. So you started work it a co-working mm-hmm. environment. Can yes. you describe to people what it is that you have created? Yeah. Well, co-working, some people know what it is and some people don't. I describe it as an office that anyone can use. So if you look at most of them, they look like a regular office. Ours doesn't, but typically they do. But the people you see in there are not all from one firm. It's various small firms and independents that are all using the space. But that way it's sharing the cost of the cleaning and the printer and the staffed reception and all of those things. So it makes it an affordable way for smaller firms firms to have or individuals to have a nice professional office and then you get the company and the community of the other workers. So that's what co-working is. And how work it is different, the main thing is we're the first office, co-working or otherwise, in the country to kind of turn the concept of an office on its head and have it be a a space that promotes your whole health and promotes the the whole person well-being instead of a traditional office that works against it. Sitting and being in a cube are about the worst things you can do for your physical and mental health, mm-hmm. but we've always done it. And at Work It, when you walk in, we have active workstations, so they're treadmill desks. If you go to coworkit.com, co-workit.com, mm-hmm. there's actually a virtual tour on there so you can see if you can't get your mind around what a treadmill desk looks like. And it's more than just a treadmill desk. You have treadmill desks. Mm-hmm. You have bicycles that do. you can be on while you're computing. Yep. There's something else I saw, too. Well, oh. There's balls that you could be sitting on oh. for stability and weight training equipment. Yeah. And it's literally like a gym and a working environment. Like a gym in an office had a baby. <laughs> That is, and it is exactly like that. So who does that attract? Like part of me thinks, oh, so it's full of like gym rats that are like super focused on their health and that they can't spend five minutes away from the gym. So that's who it attracts. But it's not that at all. No, not at all. Um, Most people that come, it's because they're looking for office space and the idea of a fun, healthy environment. Um attracts them kind of secondarily. But I mean, when people are searching for us, they're looking for event space, meeting space, or office space. And then as they're evaluating all of their options, they see the health focus and that appeals to them. Um, But a lot of people are dealing with pain. They're dealing with diabetes and prediabetes. They're dealing with obesity. They're dealing with all of, you know, anxiety, depression. All of those things are greatly exacerbated by sitting. So it's people usually that want to be more pain-free. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that community of having that all there, do you mm-hmm. have like orchestrated classes? Do you have mindfulness training? Do you do other things? Or is your role simply to provide the equipment and the facility and the space to do these things? Um, it started out more like that. Like I just put the the space out there. Um, and as the community grows, the members are starting to offer those things. So like I did do mindfulness today because we have a member that does it at one thirty on Tuesdays and it's just kind of a free thing, but anyone who wants to can come and join. Um, and we have different member shares where people learn about different things. So I would say that I kind of provided the opportunity, but it's really the community that creates these things. 
things. It, from a financial standpoint, like how much is it generally? And I know you can give me a range if that works, but mm-hmm. to have like a co-working space. Um, you mean to be a member or to open to be one? A member. Oh, to be a member, um, it will range. If you want a general membership that's 24 by 7 where you don't have a dedicated desk, you just come in and use any available space. Um, three to 500 a month is typically what you're looking at, at. And that will almost always include 24 by 7 access. And typically it includes some amount of conference room time. At Farmers Insurance, we know a roof can withstand a lot. One exception being an airborne car. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. And when you think about, like, if you were going to rent an office space, a small right. one, mm-hmm. what would the, what do you compare that to? Well, you can't really, I don't think you could get too much office space for that. It's kind of a different thing um, in that when you have a co-working space, you know, the building is 5,000 square feet and you have fitness equipment, you have all of these amenities that you wouldn't have in your own office. Yep. So to get a, an office that's, you know, maybe a thousand square feet, you would be looking at probably, you know, 700 to 2,000 a month. Yeah. For okay. that, but you'd have to clean it yourself. You'd have to maintain, like a lot of people that come to us were doing their own snow removal. Yep. All of that time that they could have been spending on client acquisition or with their families or whatever was spent maintaining the office. With co-working, that's all baked in. So you're not paying for a print release. You're not doing your own snow removal. You're not vacuuming your own floors. Can I ask you a totally weird question? Of course. I love weird questions. I, and you're just going to be like, why is she asking me this? But no. What if there's like a weirdo in the co-working space? Like, do you have to manage those people out or address like, hey, you do your whistling mm-hmm. at work is <laughs> really not working in our space. So therefore you need to leave or. Um, well, you you do because uh, the community and the community dynamic is very, very important. And especially in a small space like ours where we just kind of hang on by a thread. If you have somebody that's making it not enjoyable for others, that could cost you business. Yeah. That could cost you your whole business. So just from an owner standpoint, as well as being fair to the community, yeah, luckily 99. 9% of the people are great, and it's kind of one of those your vibe attracts your tribe kind of things. I mean, our the biggest surprise about this to me has been how many cool people there are and what neat things they do. But if you do have someone that's causing problems, you absolutely have to address it and, and ultimately possibly ask them to leave. It's kind of like a pack of dogs if there's somebody yeah. that's throwing it off. Um you know, as the, the owner or the community facilitator, you have to look at the greater good of the community and making it a good work environment for everyone. I hate to compare it to dogs, but <laughs> I mean, since that's it's... the basis of your experience, mm-hmm. and I know when you have an environment with lots of dogs, like sometimes mm-hmm. the dogs didn't get along and mm-hmm. sometimes you couldn't manage them to get along. And right. So I imagine it is kind of similar. (laughs) (laughs) In that way, most of it's pretty different. But as far as managing a group dynamic and whether it's a a pack or a community, you do have to look out for uh, everyone and make sure it's a good experience for all. But luckily that stuff, it happens, but it's really rare. I mean, most of the people that come are just amazing. So you yourself, like, okay, you're Mm going to have work tomorrow and you're going to have to write something for someone. I don't know. You're going to have to write a synopsis about something. Sure. 
Do you sit on a bicycle desk? Do you do a treadmill desk? What is your like way that you stay fit while you're working? My go-to is a treadmill desk. We do have wobble stools, which are kind of like the modern day stability ball, which mm-hmm. a lot of people use. And we have balance boards so you can stand, but they're actually really cool. Um, so there is a lot of different things, but for me... I'm a walk and work person. That's what your brain wants you to do. It's the most evolutionarily natural. It, I get, you know, like 30,000 steps a day. You produce tons of insulin, but mostly, I mean, there's tons of health benefits. There is, but mostly it makes you more creative. It's bringing more blood and oxygen to your brain. So you can think more productively. You can manage stress better. Do you get better at it? Because I feel I'm not a coordinated person, really. (laughs) And to walk, and I've done a treadmill desk Mm -hmm. once, and I was like, oh, I I don't know. Like, is it something... I felt so just out of control on trying to focus on walking and doing all the things I was trying to do. Um, It's an adjustment, not typically a real long one, but you do have to have somebody give you the right orientation. Part of it is it takes a little time to find your sweet spot on speed. Mm -hmm. Most desks go between 0.4, which is barely more than standing, and about two miles an hour or two and a half. If you're going too slow, you're going to find that you bounce. And you can't read your screen because yeah. you're you're bouncing. You got to find a nice smooth stride. But if you go too fast, you're concentrating on balancing. You can't do fine motor work. You can't immerse your mind in what you're working on. So everyone has a sweet spot, but it's so individualized. You got to play around with it until you find just the right groove for you. So that's one part of it. And neurologically, your body wants you to walk as you think. That's why sometimes you get Good ideas. Man. Yeah. yeah. When you get up, oh yeah, when you get up and walk to the bathroom, an idea will come to you or if you take a walk. Um, it is what engages the thinking part of your brain because, yeah, the cavemen on the Serengeti, people walked for 12 miles a day. Yeah. So trying to get to their next meal or their right. next place that they were going to be safe. Yep, exactly. So so the, the answer to your question is, yeah, it takes a little bit of time and practice. You're not going to jump on your first time and be sipping your coffee and talking on the phone and doing your computer. It would, but it doesn't take as long as you would think. Um, what has been the most surprising thing you've learned about co-working? Um, well, yeah, I think it is how amazing the people are. I did not know there were that many cool, interesting people in the world. So I just love our community and everyone. They're just such neat, unique, funny. I, I, I just can't even describe it. But yeah. I, yeah, so that has been the biggest surprise is that there's just that many cool people. You're located in the Midway area in St. Paul. Yes. What's your exact address? 635 Fairview Avenue North. Okay, so near Fairview and University. Yeah. Um, it's a very more more competitive environment in co-working. We're reading about um, co-working in the North Loop. We're reading about some other places in the St. Paul area. Mm-hmm. Why do you think co-working is attractive and how do you stand out? I mean, you have something so unique. Right. Yeah, we stand out because we're so unique and co-working is exploding. Um, But a lot of it is that people, um, it's very attractive to small businesses because the memberships are typically month to month. 
So as your firm is growing, as things change, you're not locked into a five-year lease. Yep. So the flexibility of it and the ability for your business to evolve and grow um, is very, very attractive to people, uh, much more so than taking out a lease and having to do the build-out yourself. Right. And again, having to manage the cleaning and the printer and the whatever building maintenance. That takes it all off your plate. Um, and price wise, it's, it's very competitive. So it's almost a question of why not co-work? Right. Talk about how do you market this business and how do you find people that need co-working? I imagine it's kind of challenging because a lot of these people are hidden at home. Right. They, uh, yeah, it's, it's really hard. Um, that, I mean, co-working is just, it's a business that grows slowly and people do have a lot of options, which is great. I want everyone to be in the right place for them. Um, but yeah, you have to kind of look for people that are looking for office space and kind of sell them on looking at it a different way and considering co-working. Um, so you're not even, it's like, okay, A, do you want to co-work and let Mm -hmm. me sort of work with you to figure out if that fits for you. Right. And then B, we have this lifestyle of an exercise facility Mm -hmm. and does that work for you? So does that make it more challenging for you than a regular co-working space or is that an opportunity? Um, Yes and yes, I would say. Um, On the one hand, kind of to your point earlier, I went into this, you know, being the first in the world, I didn't know what my target market was. I mean, what business owner says, I don't know who my target market is. Yeah, me. (laughs) Um, Because, yeah, you said, is it going to be the real fitness focused people that want to be embracing that? Is it going to be the people with health needs? Is it so even kind of it took some waiting around and feeling out to even figure out what and where my target market was, which is a setback. I I knew going in that would be the case, but that's definitely a big setback. And yeah, understanding why your clients are coming there so you know even what to market to them. Is it the active workstations? Is it the community? Is it the flexibility and convenience for the same price? Is, you know, what... Taking Figuring out what's attracting people and then messaging to that... Again, there's no rule book for this. It's it's the Wild West, and I'm kind of blazing the trail with a machete. So, and it's what super do you hard. think you've discovered so far? Um, I've discovered that once people try an active office, they can never go back. Really? Yes. That's interesting. But yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, they're just they have so much less pain, and it's such a different interpersonal way of being because it's just so accepting. Um. Because, for instance, I had one member where he said, yeah, you know, my back was hurting. And so I stepped away from my desk and I did a couple stretches and twisted twisted it a little bit. And that was fine. And I went back to my work. But in a standard office, I wouldn't have done that because I would have looked weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, But because it's kind of created this culture that's all about doing what's best for your brain and your body so you can be at your best. It's very freeing and people like that. And it gets to so much of a more inherent level of acceptance of yourself and others that um, the community just bonds and connects in a way that's pretty unusual. It sounds Um, like it. Yeah. So there's there's that. I kind of got off on a tangent. What was your question? No, I don't even remember. I was so excited. Oh, what what you found out about who your demographic was and what people liked about uh, the work at co-working environment over just other office environments. Yeah. So, and our demographic is, you know, very much 
small firms, individual entrepreneurs, and people who work um, virtually from home. How important is LinkedIn for you or social media in general? Social media is everything. I mean, that's the way of the world these days. It's not like, I mean, when I opened Downtown Dogs, I took out an ad in the yellow pages and got a whole bunch of business. Yep. Uh, I still look back on that and I think, dang, that was so easy. Yeah. Um, Now, today, you know, obviously we're not going to take out an ad in the yellow pages. I mean, you have to reach people digitally. It's where everything is at. Um, So LinkedIn is great. Um, Facebook is great for promoting events. But, you know, people see 20,000 impressions a day. So getting standing out on social media is not easy. So do you work with an agency on it? Do you work with it yourself? Are you constantly refining it? One of the things I'm finding about social media and Facebook in particular is the algorithms have changed. Oh, yeah. And they're changing quicker than I'm changing. So all of a sudden, something that was, you know, performing pretty well Mm -hmm. is all of a sudden not getting seen at all. It's just changing so rapidly. How do you stay on top of that? Well, one thing I've found, and SEO is the same way. It's mm-hmm. it change, you know, it's like Facebook algorithms. Nobody really knows how it works. Right. But with both of them, I would say what's happening is they're getting harder to game, which is good. Um, and so if you just keep really focusing on doing a good job and being on message and using common sense, it's actually easier than it was before. I think to get good SEO and to get good impressions, but. Um, that gives me hope. Yeah, because I'm not feeling it. But you know, <gasps> yeah. Oh uh, well, it's it's just hard because there's so much out there. People get hit with a fire hose every time they pick up their phone. Yeah, so. and I'm feeling like, in some ways, you know, you used to be able to get some organic search. You could get right. some organic pairs of eyes on a Facebook post. Yeah, not anymore. Yeah, and it feels like most of the revenue in a marketing strategy needs to be put into, you know, that you need to boost your posts. Right. And it's amazing how much more views, I mean, when you boost a post, it really gets boosted. Oh, yeah. No, they they won't show. I think they only show it to like 2% of your audience if you don't boost it. So you really have to pay for any visibility. But um, I guess I have just found really being clear on who is your target market, which is, you know, kind of small business 101. But Um, and then uh, refining your smart ads based on that so you know exactly who you want them to go to and who you want to see it, and then getting your messaging right so when they read the first, first words, it they might hook them in. And, yeah. Yeah. and uh, you do a lot of events, too. We do, yeah, because, I mean, personal relationships, social media is never going to undo the need for personal relationships and connections. So, What kind of events do you do? We have, in the beginning, I did a lot just to get people through the door. Now they focus more on our members. So in the beginning, we do everything from mom's night out to wine and art networking, um, just to kind of show people they could have their events at Work It. Yep. Um, Now most of our events are member-centered and people rent out the space for their networking events and their different classes and stuff. Um, Are you still taking members or are you full? Uh, no, no, we we would love more members. And um, when you think about um, the way I looked at your business, and I mm-hmm. asked you this when we talked on the phone, it really seemed franchisable to me. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, it scales beautifully. So I just have to get this one making money. But I actually get a lot of interest in franchises. And there's a real value add to offering it there, especially with something new like this. I mean, I made $10,000 worth of mistakes just on furniture ordering alone and being clear on the target market and the um, all of the branding and website, all of that. You know, a franchise would pay for itself and then it saves you the trouble of feeling all that pain yourself. So Tell I, me about your furniture mistake. Oh, well, just knowing, I mean, office furniture is really, really expensive. Yes. And in a situation like this where there's a lot of alternative seating, knowing how many chairs versus wobble stools yep. and how many desks with screens versus open and, um, you know, in your conference rooms, what size of stuff do you want and where does it go? It's just, you know, you're kind of shooting in the dark when you start a first of its kind business. Yeah. So. Even having that stuff figured out is so a lot of money. When you look back on it, are you glad you did it? Oh, it's been so hard, and we've been open about six months. And I was just gonna say because yeah. part of this is timing too. Yes. So if I had talked, if I talked to you in three years versus your first six right. months, you're in the real thick of just like, wow, this is. Yes. I don't want to say harder than you thought because you've it been around. Is, you know. Yeah, no, it's harder than I thought. I th- really? It's like parenting. It's like everything in life is harder than you think it's going to be. We would never crawl out from under our rocks if we really knew how hard yeah. the stuff we took on was going to be. So, what, what part is hard that you didn't anticipate? Um. Well, I think a lot of it just the uncertainty mm-hmm. of is this going to work or not. And like you said, figuring out the digital media strategy and figuring out really where to even mine for clients. Do you do that alone or do you have help? Mostly I'm on my own with that. So So. you're just kind of trying things and doing Mm -hmm. A-B testing and... Yep. Yep, exactly. And it's hard to be away from my kids so much. I mean, I left the house at six this morning and after this I have another meeting, so I probably won't even see them today. And I was used to being with them all the time and seeing how sad they are when I leave. So that that separation, um, they're getting more used to it now, but that was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Is there a way, and I guess... The answer is probably not right now because you'd be mm-hmm. doing it. But it seems like there should be a way that you could have your cake and, cake and eat it too, doesn't it? Or oh, yeah. Does it all come down to finances and being able to hire people to back you up? Yeah. Um, I think that with this business, you can have your cake and eat it too a lot more so than kenneline. Yep. Um, but you got to pay your dues if you want to sing the blues. Ringo Starr was yeah. not kidding. I mean, I don't know anyone that hasn't had to work really, really hard for what they have. And the beginning phase of a new job or a new business or anything is just a ton of hard work. And it's hard to explain that to your kids because they don't oh. really get it. They don't know what you're doing every day and it's, it's not really their job. But Exactly. So, yeah, it is It is hard and it's still a better work-life balance than what you get with kenneling. And I think in the long run, it'll be a really good work-life balance. But it's the pay-in-your-dues phase where it's long hours, learning from mistakes your physical fitness is better, though? Oh, my gosh, yes. I have so much more energy for my kids, and I have so much less back pain, and I weigh a lot less. In that sense, it's really delivered exactly what I hoped. Yeah. 
Well, it's interesting to talk to you as you're building this. The business is work it. It's a co-working environment. How do you want people to find you? Um, the easiest way is to go to our website, coworkit.com. So it's co-workit.com. Um, and that has our phone number on it. But you, it has a virtual tour. So you actually can click the virtual tour and then you just touch these little circles on there and it guides you through and it's like you can see the whole space. I, is video a big part of the marketing for you? Oh, yeah. Because people yeah, just are wanting to see things so much more. Mm-hmm. If people are listening to this and... Um, they could help you. What kind of things could they help you with? Um, well, digital media following is huge. So liking us on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter, it's at Work It Cowork is huge. Okay. Um, and spreading the message that way. Like you said, it's so hard to get any organic reach that yeah. if you want to do something kind that doesn't cost you anything, share small business owners posts. Uh, I love that you said that. That's oh, amazing. Oh. Thank you for saying that. I forget to say that. But it is really um, when something catches fire and someone shares something that mm-hmm. you've done or some yeah. piece of information. Um, and if you listen to this podcast, you know, maybe if you're a business owner listening, we share information about other businesses through the podcast mm-hmm. or follow the businesses that you listen to. That's Really great that you said that. Thank you for reminding us to do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then just keeping us in mind, if you know anyone that says they're looking for a new office or they're wondering if they should keep their office or if they're in any kind of transition where they're looking for an office, um, consider Work It. All right. Work It co-working. It's Ann Hendrickson. Uh, She's one to watch is all I'm going to tell you. I have every confidence that a few years from now we're going to have a different conversation Um, and it's going to be very successful for you. I will say one of the things I'm working on for this program is we've had your 80th podcast. Wow. Congratulations. And there's been so many changes in so many of these businesses. So Mm -hmm. I am undertaking, uh, by summer, hopefully to start sort of mini recaps to revisit some of the original. Where are they now? Yeah. Like Dean Phillips, (gasps) you know, we interviewed him and he's running for Congress. So that's um, someone that, uh, was working on an app. The app Mm -hmm. has like completely changed its platform and it's just different. Uh, our friend Ashley Olds from sweet science ice cream that we interviewed, she's getting ready to open her first retail location. So Uh There's just been a lot of growth with a lot of these entrepreneurs, and I think it's time to um, revisit them and have some little mini mini casts, is, as it were. That is so exciting. Yeah, I love is. that. And to see progress because, yeah. you know, sometimes people that are on this program are in the very mm-hmm. first six months like right. you are. Mm-hmm. Other times people like Salsa Lisa, you know, right. she's in a very different situation than mm-hmm. she was, and it's fun to catch up with her too, right. you know, as we evolve our businesses. So. Yeah. Thank you for listening, and thanks for being on today, Anne. Thank you so much for having me. At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle. Bird poop. Drone. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. An F-16 pilot having hydraulic problems with his aircraft managed to parachute to safety as the plane smashed into a warehouse east of Los Angeles. Fire Captain Fernando Herrera. That pilot landed in the uh, March Air Force Base area. In the base itself. Amazingly, there were no serious injuries after the plane hit the building. Alabama executed a man last night for his role in killing four people after an argument over a pickup truck. 
Tennessee executed a man who killed his wife. Reporters couldn't see the execution, but AP correspondent Travis Lawler says... We could hear sounds, uh, including a singing that uh, uh, Mr. Johnson's attorney says was him singing a hymn. Answering a reporter's question, President Trump said he hopes the U.S. is not on a path to war with Iran. Mr. Trump has dismissed suggestions that any of his advisors are trying to push him into a conflict. I'm Rita Foley.